Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Matthew chapter 7. We'll also be uh, in Matthew chapter 6 a little bit. We're kicking off a new series on prayer. And so because of that, I'm going to spend a little bit of time up front just kind of describing what prayer is, give a definition that we can work with uh, through the next couple of months as we talk about prayer. So um, we'll get into Matthew in just a little bit, and we're going to talk about uh, prayer, what it is first. Then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at three levels or three types of prayer. And then we're going to end by just talking about our journey in prayer, how we grow in prayer, uh, and hopefully how we'll continue to grow in prayer throughout this series. Um, And it's it's my uh, idea here that uh, prayer is a discipline, it, part of it is a discipline, so it's something that we need to discipline ourselves to do, to work towards, to grow in. And let me just say this, it is not my goal to make you feel guilty. Um, it, I feel like as a preacher, there's three topics that I could preach on and make people feel guilty on every time. Prayer, because we can always pray more, right? Giving, because we can always give more. Right? And witnessing, because we can always witness a little bit more. And that's, that's not my goal here. But I, I want us to, you know, we look at that idea of feeling guilty about that. It's because we think of prayer and giving and witnessing as a duty. And there's a certain truth to that, but I also believe that those things are a privilege. That they're a gift. That we get to pray. We get to give. We get to share. And so I hope that as we talk about prayer, it's not a a guilt thing like, oh, you should do more, you should do better, but that it's an understanding of what a wonderful gift that we have, and it encourages us to do more and participate more in it. So what is prayer? Um, Actually, in our Bible reading uh, this week, we came up with the first reference to prayer in Scripture. Uh, It happens in Genesis chapter 4. Cain kills Abel, and God gives Adam and Eve a son, Seth, uh, kind of in his in place is the way that Eve kind of says this prayer. And it says at the end of chapter 4, and people began to call on the name of the Lord. There it is. That's the first reference to prayer, call on the name of the Lord. You know, we think of in our society, we call people Christians or non-Christians, In the Old Testament, we think of Jew or Gentile, but the first references really to being a follower of God was those who called on the name of the Lord, those who didn't. In fact, in Deuteronomy, as Moses is describing uh, the people's relationship with God, he says in chapter 4, verse 7, for what a great nation, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? whenever we call upon him. And so that is the idea, the early idea of what prayer is, just to call on the name of the Lord. Prayer has a lot of different definitions. And I think they all, some of them have a good part to them and maybe an extreme other part. So let me look at some definitions and let's talk about how they could be good or bad in its definition and let's pick a definition to work for. Um, in some ways, prayer is simply talking to God. Um, I've, I've heard that many times. Prayer is simply talking to God. 
Uh, and I, I think that's true, right? Those who call in the name of the Lord. Uh, but sometimes prayer becomes talking at God. Um, some of you uh, use more words during the day than other people do. Um, and I, you know, we're not going to make this a male or female. There was some study that female use so many words a day and males use, you know, like a quarter of those words during a day. And there might be some truth to that, but I've known some men that can, you know, really up their word count, okay? And women who are quiet. So that's not, that's not necessarily a male or female. Some of you just use more words. I, I tend to be, ironically, somebody with less words. Um, in fact, this week I was... Uh, felt led by the Lord to uh, write a letter uh, to some friends, some pastors, just really thank them for their friendship. And, uh, and I did that, and I sent it off, and uh, I instantly texted my wife, and I said, be aware. I sent these folks a letter, and I was probably used some really heartfelt terminology that Dave doesn't normally use. She might be calling to ask if I'm dying, right? Because, uh, like, be... Because I'm, I don't like do that that often. That just doesn't come naturally. So prayer sometimes for some people just becomes somebody, just a bunch of words talking at God. But prayer is a communication. I think there's some truth to that, but I think that we're also talking with God, not at God. Okay? Now, in some circles, you might talk about prayer demanding things from God. Um, and you say, well, I don't know that anybody thinks of prayer that way. But when you say, and you've heard the terms, name it, and claim it, wrestle with God until you get it, um, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't want to demand things from God. But at the same time, there are promises in Scripture that we can lean on. And I think that those of us that maybe grew up in different circles, and you say, well, we don't, we don't believe that, Sometimes we fail to ask God for things, and I don't want to do that either. Um, I think of the circles that I grew up with, the definition of prayer that I always heard was it's aligning our will with God's will. Um, prayer isn't about getting anything from God, they would say. He knows what you want, and he's already determined if you're going to get it. So prayer is just an exercise and submitting yourself to God's will. I don't know that I'm very comfortable with that either, then why would I want to pray? Now, there is truth that when I am praying, and sometimes I pray uh, selfishly, like we all do, that maybe God would change my heart as I'm praying. But that's not the only reason why I'm praying. Some people maybe who don't believe in God might just see prayer as, Wishful thinking in God's direction. I think prayer is obviously, and I think we believe that prayer is more than that. But I think in the circles that I grew up in, uh, we, weren't, we, we weren't taught to, to maybe pray some things that were wishful. You know, what, what is okay to pray for and what's not okay to pray for? Let me give you an example. It was Christmas morning. And we were getting stuff ready. And uh, we were waiting for um, Jackie and her family. They, they, did, they did Christmas on their own, and they were coming uh, to have Christmas afternoon with us. So we're doing the morning stuff, and as Jackie and Jordan were packing the kids up, their dog got out. Now, confession's good for the soul. Uh, I don't love this dog, 
I like dogs. My daughter's dog drives me crazy. Um, and she, because they're going to stay with us for a few days, the dog comes. If I want the grandkids, I get the dog too, so I just kind of put up with it. But it's Christmas morning, and the dog is out. Now, I didn't think, yes. No, I, I thought to myself, I love my dog. I don't want to lose my dog. I especially don't want to lose my dog on Christmas morning. I don't want my daughter to be upset, my grandkids to be upset. And I'm sitting in the kitchen, and I, and I was, you know... I said, God, is it okay to pray for finding a dog? And you got to know this dog. It, once it sees daylight, there's just, it goes forward. So my son-in-law grabs the first pair of shoes he can find, which was my daughter's slippers, and he's running down the street after his hound dog. And I'm in the kitchen, an hour and a half away, praying that they find their dog. Now, some people might see that as wishful thinking, but my prayer was, God, I know there's bigger things going on in the world, but I, can they get their dog? It's okay if this is all right to ask, Lord. Now they found the dog. They made it to Christmas. Is that an answer to prayer? I'm going to say yes. But look, there's some of us where we go, I don't know if we're allowed to pray for that. Are we allowed to pray for these things or just these things? And so sometimes prayer is just like, God, this is what's on my heart right now. Now, Timothy Keller uh, defines prayer this way. Prayer is a personal, communicative response to the knowledge of God. Now, if any of you have read any of Timothy Keller, you know that he is not the most exciting writing writer in the world. I love his stuff. He is very dry. Uh, he is a philosophy major. He is a doctorate in philosophy uh, he can't write three or four paragraphs without also citing C.S. Lewis. Uh, but he, he is, uh, he's an amazing, and I, and I like this definition. I've wrestled with it, so let's just talk a little bit about this definition. Uh, prayer is personal. Um, now, I think here uh, what he's not saying is, is that there's personal versus private. Uh, I wrestled with the definition a little bit. I'm, this is the word that I, I'm like, ah, Timothy, I know, why did you use this word? We're on a first name basis. Um, why did you use this word? And I know that he comes from a more high church background. And so I know that, that prayer in some of his experience was very impersonal. It was the reciting of words, a repetition. And so when he says personal, uh, and as I read on, and by the way, his book is called uh, Prayer, uh, experiencing the awe in something uh, with God. It's a awe and intimacy. Great book. Uh, better history of prayer than I got in seminary. It's very, uh, very good history of prayer. But uh, difficult read. And he, he says, he, when he talks about personal, I think what he's saying here, and as I've read the book, I would argue that he's saying it's relational. We, we are praying to a personal God. And in the same way that I have a personal relationship, say, with Rich or David, I might have a more in-depth conversation with them because I work with them on a daily basis than I would with the barista at Starbucks. It's personal. So we have a personal relationship with God. And, and for us, that's a pretty common term. If you've grown up in Baptist churches, do you have a personal commitment to Jesus Christ? And we use those terms. But can you, do you realize how amazing that is? 
that we have a personal relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, okay? Um, he's not calling right now. That's a, something else. But <laughs> we have a personal relationship. Second, uh, that, that prayer, and let me just say one more thing in that. I'm sorry. I'm going off my notes here. I got distracted. Um, one person wrote this. A prayer was never meant to be merely personal exercise with personal benefits, but a discipline that reminds us how we are personally responsible for others, right? Because we have a personal relationship with God, we want it to be personal with others. Second, prayer is communication with God. Um, what an amazing thought. When, when, the, when the curtain tears in the temple, it's talking about something has opened up. And part of that is, and listen, church, you need to hear this. You don't need a priest or a pastor to talk to God on your behalf. Jesus Christ is your mediator. That doesn't mean that other people don't pray for you, that it's not good to talk to a pastor. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is you can communicate with God. Now, have you ever had friendships with people that just seem like, I don't know, like they have a direct line? Like somehow in their office, there's the red phone that goes directly to God? We, ha we had a friend uh, when we were first married, and her name was Debbie, and I, Debbie had a great prayer life. And anytime there was, you know, something going, I was like, we need to call Debbie. Now, I don't, I'm all for other people praying. But I want you to understand, you have a direct communication with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So it's personal, it's communication, and third, prayer is a response to God. One of the things that we, uh, definitions we've used of worship in, for a while here is that worship is an active response to God whereby we declare his worth. The reality is the reason that we can communicate God is because of what God has done for us. The reason that you and I are here is because of what God has done for us. What we know about God is because what God has revealed about himself. And so most of prayer is just us responding to who God is. That's part of the communication. And then finally, he said, prayer is based on a knowledge of God. Again, the definition says prayer is personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. And I would argue this, that the more we know about God, the more effective our prayers are. The more we understand his character, the more we understand his plan, the more that we understand what he's doing in this world and what he desires of us, the better we pray. And at first, I, I, you know, I, I put this definition because I really like it, but I wrestled with it a lot in my office the last few weeks, and so if you're wrestling with it, that's okay. We'll keep wrestling with it. But the, the more that we grow in our understanding of who God is, the more that we grow in our prayer life. Now, uh, if you have your Bibles open again, and I said we'd be in Matthew 6 and 7, and I just want to do some review, because we've actually been talking about prayer during the little prayer section here, especially in October and November. We kind of took December off of that, but we looked at the Lord's Prayer, in, uh, uh, pick that up in chapter 6, verse 9, where Jesus says, pray like this. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive, uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, uh, but deliver us from evil. Now, not on your notes here, but just a little review of, of the Lord's prayer uh, this morning. There's three parts to it. Um, there's some personal relations section here. Um, I, I was pointing out to you that Jesus doesn't say that we are to pray my father, but we are to pray what? Our father. The, the, the whole prayer is very plural in nature. And so that reminds us of our relationship with one another and with God. And this is actually Matthew chapter 6 is right from our Scripture reading from today, as Rich pointed out. Prayer is relational. It's a family experience. And it's to our Father who is in heaven. Right away, we're reminded of our position. He's God, we are not. He's the Father, we are not. So we're humbly coming to him. And then in the prayer, there's three uh, requests that have to do with our relationship with God and three personal requests. So the first three petitions is that we want to see God honored. Now, here's a great place to start in prayer, not with you, but with wanting God to be honored. The second request in there is that God's kingdom comes. Now, I don't think that simply, I pray that sometimes when I'm stressed out, Lord, come. This would be great, right? When I was in college and in, in seminary, I prayed that prayer before every finals week. Father, come. This, is, this would be a good time. Um, but the idea is not just coming and rescuing us and taking us out, but the idea that his kingdom comes in the way that we think and the way that we live today. And then the third request there is that God's will would be done. Ultimately, when we come to prayer, we're praying that God's will would be done, not our will. And then we looked at, uh, during that prayer time, the last three prayers with three Ps that we looked at, and I think these are great. The requests are for God's provision, right? And because we're praying our Father, uh, those provisions are God provide for us and that we would provide for others. We are praying for our, our pardon, forgive us our sins so we can forgive others. And then for God's protection, keep, it, keep us from evil and keep those around us also for evil. And I think of Job in this section of this prayer. If you remember uh, when Job is described um, anytime his kids had a party, it says, Job went before the Lord and gave a sacrifice just in case they did anything at the party they weren't supposed to. Okay, some of you have done that, right? On Friday night when your kids are out at the homecoming dance or whatever it is, it became a, a prayer meeting. It seemed like the best thing to do. Okay, so that's the Lord's Prayer. Um, and just a little bit of a reminder, that's what prayer is. That's where we're headed. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. In the next chapter, uh, Jesus has these little bullet points. He talks about judging others, ask and it will be given, and the golden rule. I think these three, these three things tie in. It's the way that we treat other people is based on how we want to be treated. It's based on our relationship with God. But we're going to focus in on verses 7 through 11. Very familiar words to those of you who have been around the church. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For whoever asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, 
And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Simply talking to God, calling out to God, a personal, communicative response to the knowledge of God. That's what's happening here. And, and he clearly spells that out. He uses words like ask, seek, and knock. And we go, okay, well, wait a minute. I've asked for things that I haven't received. So what's the caveat that I don't understand? Um, what is it here? And, um, but, but Jesus is teaching a simple truth. And I think here he teaches three levels of prayer. The first is simply ask. Now, there's things that we ask God for all the time. There are things that may kind of come and go, things that we're thinking of, and we ask God. Now, I think we need to recognize that in this culture, they experience something that you and I experience a little bit, but they experience probably more on a daily basis, and that was beggars. I've been to different parts of the world where begging is a little bit more common and when you go to a public place, there's people there that are holding out their hands. Some will ask directly. Some will paw at you even, trying to grab your shirt, kind of catch you, especially if you're a foreigner. And so I think when they hear that word ask, they're probably thinking a little bit more in that term than you and I do. It's, it's, a, it's a humble ask. It's a needy ask. And so I think here that there's, um, on, your, on your notes, there's three things that we need to understand when, when God says, uh, ask. And that the first thing he says is, you need to rem be reminded that you're evil. He tells a great little story here. He says, when your son and your kids ask for a loaf of bread, you don't give them a rock. Now, some of you might have put some rocks in your kids' stockings from now and then, but you were just joking around, I hope. But he takes it up a notch. Your son asks for a fish, you don't pull out a serpent. You don't do that. And Jesus says, you don't do that, because right, you love your kids, and you're, but let me remind you, you're evil. And God is good. So he puts this whole thing in perspective. He tells the story, he says, you're evil, you don't do that. God is good. And he doesn't say, so therefore you don't deserve anything because you're evil. He says, no. He says, even more so, God isn't going to do that to you when you ask. Now, sometimes your kids don't ask for bread. They ask for a cookie. And you say, no, or wait till after dinner. And I love it when my kids and now my grandkids say, but I'm hungry, I'm dying, can't make it. Have an apple. Have a piece of fruits. Have a carrot. 
All of a sudden, they're not hungry anymore. So sometimes we do ask, right, for the wrong things. And God says no to that. But he is certainly saying we should ask. I think uh, we learn that we're evil, that God is good, and that what we must do is humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves before God. Um, In the book of James, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. One commentator pointed out, I mean, are there going to be things in heaven that you're kind of having a relationship, a conversation with Jesus on the other side, and you say, man, I really would have liked to. And Jesus said, I would have given it to you, but you never asked. Really? I wasn't very good at asking for things when I was a kid. I was a beater around the bush, I think is what they called it. Doesn't really work very well. I don't want to not have because I didn't ask. Now, James goes on to say, and sometimes you don't have because you ask with the wrong motives. I also want to grow in that. But I certainly don't want to miss out because I just failed to ask. Let's ask. A second, Jesus goes on and says, right, this is pretty simple. What's the, the second one? Seek. Now, what's the difference between asking and seeking? Seeking takes a little more effort. One person wrote this, when you seek for something, you rearrange your priorities so that you can search for what you desire until you find it. Think of the woman looking for the lost coin, right? She closes the door, she sweeps, she's looking, she's searching for it. It Requires some effort, some time, some changing of priorities. So how do we rearrange our priorities when something is more than an ask and we're really seeking after it? There are some things that I just need to give more time to in prayer. I simply need to give more time to it. Now, I know that that's hard. You say, man, I don't, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I have any more time. I'm doing the best I can. But if there's something that is urgent, you give more time to it. Second, I might give something up. Specifically here, we're we're talking about a fast. In Scripture, people fasted from food and different things so that they could give more time to prayer. Here's the amazing thing, and I I think about this all the time. Fasting in in Scripture, if you were giving up a meal uh, in Jesus' time, you just saved yourself a bunch of time. Because you're not needing bread, you're not, you know, I mean, there's just, you and I, Going through, I, some of us don't save any time. You're talking about three minutes in the McDonald's drive-thru. It didn't really, didn't really produce anything. So the idea is to give something up that is going to give you more time to spend in prayer. Maybe what you need to give up is the TV or book you're reading or something else. Fasting, though, I do believe it, it also produces this Uh, process of giving something up and devoting to something. So that's part of the seeking process. Another thing is that we ask for help. If we're really searching for something, uh, we we might ask for help. Now, those of you who know me know that I'm not a fix-it person. And uh, we have, over the years, had people that have been in our life that, that have helped me in that area, allowed me to spend more time on the things that 
maybe God is calling me to do. And one of those people, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Battleground, his name was Jim. Uh, Jim uh, did so many things for our family. It just was such a blessing. And uh, one day, we were in the garage, uh, my daughter and I, JM, and she had a little bicycle. And uh, she brought it up to me, and, and she says, Dad, uh, this is broken. It's broken. And it was just the kickstand. The screw had come unloose, you know. And it was this dad moment. I said, oh, yeah, here, let me get that, sweetie. And I grabbed a tool, and I began tightening it. And here's my second grader, second grader. She looks at me, and she says, Dad, don't you think we should call Jim? <laughs> oh, man, I was mortified. You know, there's certain things that I've just come to, to realize in my life I'm not good at, and I just need to humble myself and say, can you, can you help me with this? Can you look at this? I don't know what it is with prayer that we're so afraid to ask somebody else to pray for our family, to pray for our marriage, to pray for our kids, to pray for our grandkids. If you're more concerned that the people in this building may not think as highly of you because your kids or grandkids don't have it all together, then you are to pray for them that their life might get back on track. I would ask you where your priorities are. It's okay to ask for help. Have other people praying for you. And then the third one is knock. What's the difference between seeking and knocking? There's something in front of you. There's a door. There's an obstacle. There's resistance. Now, many of you have had a door that you'd knocked on for years. You say, God, I want you to, I want you to take this from me. I, I, I don't want to think like this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I'm tired of being in debt or whatever it is. And you've just knocked, 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 knocked. And maybe that process is part of your sanctification that God has chosen not to take away. I don't know. It seems that Paul knocked about an ailment that God says, and I'm not taking that away. But you know, I've just been convinced that if I'm still here, God hasn't changed my heart, that I should probably just keep knocking until I know that he said no. But I just keep knocking. So here are some keys to effective knocking. Pun intended, nobody? Okay, sorry. That was a good one. Don't give up. Don't give up. Um, in Luke uh, chapter, I believe I have the right, right reference written down here. I'm going to check real quick. Um, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells the story of the persistent widow. Um, I'm going to skip verse 1 for a second. I'm going to start in verse 2. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice 
so that she will not beat me down by continually coming. The Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. So that says, he gives this example. And I was preaching one time and, and uh, talking about prayer, and, and somebody didn't like that I said that we should keep praying about something. And so they challenged me, and they used, in Matthew chapter 6, where we're not supposed to be like the heathen who use a lot of words. And I said, yeah, but Jesus gave the parable of the persistent widow to teach us to keep praying and not give up. And he said, that's not what that parable means. So let me read verse 1 to you. And this is what I did to the gentleman. It's one of the few arguments I've won in my life. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and to not lose heart. Isn't that the purpose of the parable? He said, you have a point. I think as Christians, we, we give up too soon. So what is it that we keep praying about? What is the God door that God's asking you to keep knocking on? I think one of the ways that we do this is we need to write it down. Um, for me, I don't know about you, but the ask is easy because it's whatever's on my mind right away. But the knocking thing, sometimes I do give up. I just forget to keep praying about it. So I have a journal. And I have about nine or ten things I try to pray for on a regular basis. These are big changes, things that I'm asking God for. The great thing about writing them down is then I can see when they've been answered. And some of them I'm praying and I'm like, God, I'm seeing some movement in this. I praise you for that. Still looking for clarity. And then there's things that I ask for. These are things that I pray for for you guys, for different things. Those are more throughout the day and different times. And seeking, some of those things fall on the knocking list. It just depends. But writing them down really helps me. Another thing is to kind of surround it. Um, there's a, a book written, uh, you know, kind of, of the idea of Jericho, you know, where they surround it. And I, I, I was kind of, this is just me, my personal history. There was a church uh, in Redondo Beach where my wife and I met. Um, and uh, they were a growing church and uh, they were out doing their facilities. And uh, they decided that they, uh, God was leading them to buy the safe wave next to them. So they started marching around it like once a month and praying for it. I don't know, oh, those crazies. Those nuts. God isn't, that's, that's not what prayer is. I was reading this book and this guy was talking about, you know, sometimes we just need, we need to surround something. We need to just keep praying for it. We need to get other people. And we need to, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, he's one of those guys. And it just prompted me. I'm like, I wonder what ever happened to that church in Renando Beach. Yeah, they're in the Safeway now whole church is in there. I'm like, whoa. Sometimes, I'm not, I'm just saying, sometimes we need other people to get around us and get around that thing and just pray for it, surround it. It's not what we do when we're commissioning missionaries, we're laying hands, we're surrounded them. What is it that we just need to, we just need to get around as a church and surround it and pray for it? Um, don't give up. Write it down, surround it. Believe it. My favorite stories in Scripture is when they're in the house praying for Peter's release. Peter knocks on the door. 
Nobody believes it. And believe that God is going to do something. One acronym that you've seen in T-shirts and different things is pray. Uh, was push. Pray until something happens. Keep going. Keep believing. So let me ask you, what is it that you should be asking for? What is it that you're seeking? Something that you're willing to really give some more time in prayer and to see God move in somebody's life or in your life or in the life of this church? What is something that you're just knocking on that it's been so long that you stopped knocking and what I'm saying to you this morning, get back up and start knocking again. You're still here. God's still real. Prayer is a journey. And I, I, want, I want you to understand that God wants us to pray to him. God wants us to do it. From the very beginning, he pointed it out. This is what it looks like. Jesus taught us to prayer. It, it, it's amazing to me. The only thing in Scripture that we have recorded, that the disciples turned to Jesus and said, will you teach me? It's not healing, although they did it. God must, Jesus must have taught them at some point in time what to do. It wasn't preaching, although they did it. Jesus must, the only thing, they turn to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. Look, God wants us to do it. God wants us to do it as a church. He wants us to do it as a family. He wants us to do it as individually. He wants to hear from us. Uh, in Proverbs, it says this. Uh, oh, there we go. Well, that's not it either. Um, I messed it up. God wants us to pray. It's not working. That's okay. Um, I probably messed it up. Uh, in Proverbs, it tells us that God ignores the prayer of the unrighteous, but he listens to the prayer of the righteous. He wants to hear from us. Second, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Um, and so there's the Proverbs. Anyway, it just keeps skipping. I'm going to stop looking. God answers prayer. In Jeremiah, it talks about how God answers prayer. We have all sorts of examples in Scripture of where God answers prayer. Listen, I understand all of you, every single one of us, listen, me, Every one of us has prayed for something and God has said no. I don't know why. I don't know why he chose not to heal. I don't know why he chose not to protect or to rescue or to fix the situation. I don't know why. I don't know why some people pray for their kids to come back to the Lord and they come back to the Lord and other people pray and it doesn't happen. I don't know. I know that we'll say, well, we'll ask God when we get there. I think we'll be more interested in other things, but maybe you have some questions. But I do know this. Listen, God still answers prayer. He answers so many prayers. So, so keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. When God answers prayer, it inspires people. When, when Moses says there's no other God like our God that answers us when he calls, what he is saying is, man, when we see God answer prayer, it inspires us. 
That's why I'm encouraging you to write down your prayers so that we can go, oh, look, God answered this one. Let's share it. Let's hear about when God answers prayer. Let's celebrate it when God answers prayer. I think that's part of the journey. We need to hear what God is doing in your life. And so part of the everybody every day is just so we can see God moving. We've seen some answers from those prayer requests. Some of the people that we were praying for are coming to church. Some of the people who are far away from God are coming in because God is answering prayer. I want to say this to you this morning. I hope you, if you grab one thing, prayer is a gift. Prayer is a gift that God has given you that you can have a conversation with him. The more we know about God, the more effective our prayers can be. The more we understand about what he's doing, how he's moving, what his word is, the more effective our prayers can be. So here's some application and action. Simple. Open up your bulletins. Pull out that everybody every day. I don't know what the hang-up is for some of you. And frankly, I don't care. I want to, as your pastor, pray for you effectively. We've picked about 20 people who are ministry leaders in the church who have shown faithfulness to prayer and confidentiality. And we've said, will you pray try to pray every day for five people in our church. And then we divide it up, okay? The simple 80-20 rule, right? In churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. So we got 20% of the people to pray, and we mix up that prayer list. And on Monday morning, when they open up their prayer binders, if everybody remembers to pray, every single person in our church gets prayed for. It's amazing. Now we're switching it up a little bit this year and uh, they'll pray for five people and one ministry thing, one church thing. Six things during a day, that's it. Not, not too big of a change. And we're trying to revamp it a little bit and so uh, a couple of ladies are, are working on putting together so it uses a spreadsheet or something I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what it is with these folks, the younger folks today, spreadsheet is an answer to every problem. We solved problems before Microsoft came along, but now everything has to be solved with spreadsheet. So we're working through that. <laughs> Sorry, it's my personal, personal problem with the spreadsheet. My daughter and her boyfriend were talking, and he's got a new job that he's doing, and he's like, she's like, well, is it working out? He goes, well, I made a spreadsheet of how much I'm working. And she said, of course you did. <laughs> my daughter's with me. I don't know what the spreadsheet problem is, but we have one. So we want to put your prayer requests in there. As your pastor, I want to pray for you specifically. Now look, every single one person in this room, almost, I'm looking at you, I know. You've got a physical ailment. Let's pray for it. Let's pray for God's healing. But I also want to say this. Um, every single person in this room is going to die. And we're going to die because of sin. Sorry. It's unless the Lord comes. All of us are going to, our bodies are going to break down. Let's pray for it, but let's not only pray for that. Who are people that we need to pray for to see come to Christ? 
What are some breakthroughs that you want to see in your life spiritually? Can you put down three things there? Look, you don't have to put your deepest, darkest secret in there. I'm not asking for that. What are, th- what are three things that we can pray for this year? And I'd like you to fill that out. You can hand it to me after church. You can put it in the offering basket. You can put it in my box over here. If, if you are, and and I, we'll put those prayer requests in. There's only 20 people who are part of the prayer ministry that see those things. Okay? But I want to pray for you. So what are we asking for? What are we seeking? What, is, what are some things that we need to, to say, you know what? I need to start making some changes in my life so that I can focus on this a little bit more. Let me give you just one example. Um, when I was in seminary uh, and we were talking about fasting, I could honestly say growing up in a Baptist church, I never remembered a church having a fast. And... Uh, and it's not something that I really desired to do. But uh, my seminary professor, Carl Laney, shared that one way that he fasted was that on the first day of school, he drove to this, his kid's school during his lunch hour and didn't have lunch and spent that hour praying for his kids. And I said, that is one thing I can do. And I, I don't think I was perfect in my kids' 18 years of, of school, but on a regular basis, most every year, during the first week of school, I took one of my lunch hours, went to the school. Sometimes that school was at the church that I was at, so I just closed my office door. Sometimes I drove to their school. Sometimes I just drove to a park because I didn't want to look like a creep sitting in a school, that parking lot, because that's not cool anymore. But I spent that praying for my kids, and I'm thankful for that. It was easy. So what is one thing that you can do? It doesn't have to be every week. What is one thing that you can do that you could seek God in a deeper way? And then what are what's some things that you need to be putting back on that knocking list that you're going to keep asking God for? So love to see your prayer requests. Um, this week, we're going to put those prayer managers together this week or next week. Those of you who are part of that ministry, we've pushed it out a little bit trying to get these things going. Let me pray, and uh, we'll, uh, the worship team can come up. And then we've got a, a meeting, so let's do that. Lord, thank you. Uh, for this challenge. It was challenging for me to study, and I hope it was challenging to those who listened this morning. Um, May we be a people that cry out to you. May we be a people that seek you. May we be a people that believe that you do incredible things and we keep knocking. May we be a church where people go, man, I I know that if I go to that church, people are going to pray for me. Um, May we be known for that. And then, God, may we see you answer prayer in amazing ways. We thank you and we praise you for this opportunity. Um, Lord, I pray that whatever ways that we felt challenged during the message, that we would follow that through uh, this week. Um, So we give that to you in Jesus' name. Amen.